Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 594. I must go, she said, looking upward. But I will return. I am always and unchanging. And if you play your flute for me, I will visit you again. I have given you three things, he said. A song, a home, and my heart. If you must go, will you not give me three things in return? She laughed, holding her hands out to her sides. She was naked as the moon. What do I have that I can leave with you? But if it is mine to give, ask and I will give it. Jax found his mouth was dry. First, I would ask for a touch of your hand. One hand clasps another, and I grant you your request. She reached out to him, her hand smooth and strong. At first it seemed cool, then marvelously warm. Goose flesh ran all up and down Jax's arms. Second, I would beg a kiss, he said. One mouth tastes another, and I grant you your request. She leaned in close to him. Her breath was sweet, her lips firm as fruit. The kiss pulled the breath out of Jack's, and for the first time in his life, his mouth curved into the beginning of a smile. And what is the third thing? the moon asked. Her eyes were dark and wise. Her smile was full and knowing. Your name, Jax breathed, that I might call you by it. One body, the moon began, stepping forward eagerly. Then she paused. Only my name? She asked, sliding her hand around his waist. Jax nodded. She leaned close and spoke warmly against his ear. Ludus. And Jax brought out the black iron box, closing the lid and catching her name inside. Now I have your name he said firmly. So I have mastery over you, and I say you must stay with me forever so I can be happy. And so it was. The box was no longer cold in his hand. It was warm, and inside he could feel her name, fluttering like a moth against a window pane. Perhaps Jax had been too slow in closing the box. Perhaps he fumbled with the clasp, or perhaps he was simply unlucky in all things. But in the end, he only managed to catch a piece of the moon's name, and not the thing entire. So Jax could keep her for a while, but she always slips away from him, out from his broken mansion, back to our world. But still, he has a piece of her name, and so she always must return. Hespi looked around at us smiling, and that is why the moon is always changing, and that is where Jax keeps her when she is not in our sky. He ends the page! I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Nick, and this moon is DTF. Indeed. Yeah, uh, I, I never picked up on that before. Like, what exactly is she implying when she starts with one body? I think she's implying that she wishes to partake in the horizontal mambo. <laughs> I think she wishes to create the beast with two backs. 
the beast with two backs. <laughs> I think she thinks that's what he's going to ask for, right? Yeah. And it also seems not only is she down for it, but it also kind of implies that because there's this kind of ritualistic intonation, it kind of implies that other people who have sought the moon, this is what they're after. Right? And she's not opposed to it. Well, either that's what other people who have sought the moon are looking for, or that's what she's looking for. Or both. That's the thing. Why not both? True, yeah. Maybe she's she's eager to give. As you say. She might be eager to get. <laughs> exactly. Uh, as you say, she seems down to down to fuck. And yeah, that's kind that. of related in to her name. Uh, I, I did the took the liberty of, of looking it up. Ludus is a form of a Latin word ludus. Uh, ludus means And is it very lewd? No, it's I mean not not you have to work a little bit to get there. So the noun ludus means a school, uh, a particular kind of school, and the verb ludus uh, means like to like playing or game or sport or fun, um, and that does have kind of a sexual connotation, especially these days. Maybe it had less of one when Rothfuss was writing this, but you know, play can certainly mean sexual play. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting thing, but it also does kind of sound like, uh, the Latin root for like light, right? Yeah. Well, it reminds me of Luna, Luna, Luna. Yeah. Um, you reminded me when you said that Ludus is the Latin form of to play, because this is something that actually came up when I was doing my thesis. There is a, a game theory. Is that... Ludo narrative dissonance? No, well, sort of. Uh, Luda is is related. It's uh, the dichotomy between ludus and paideia when you are designing a game, especially uh, a video game, but not necessarily because it's you know in any in any game, uh, paideia is the freedom of play. When you're like running around imagining something as a kid, you're engaging in paideia or paidic play, and then. Uh, Ludia or Ludus is the rules of the game. So to when you are designing a game with rules and structure, you are balancing the tension between Ludus and Pydia. Um, and I just, uh, I thought that was really interesting when I was researching my thesis and I just remembered that now. And so I wonder now, you know, Rothfuss being the kind of guy he is who may have encountered this before. Uh, it's by, uh, the theorist is Roger Kailois, Kailois perhaps. Uh, I've never had to say it out loud before. Uh, one wonders if th- there's some significance here to the idea of the rules that Ludus, uh, in this mm. context anyway, explicitly means the rules of the game. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and maybe, like, because I was thinking reading this, it's kind of odd to me that being that she is a powerful, magical being, that she doesn't know what he's after when he asks for her name, like she should know that that will give him power over her. Um, so maybe Ludus is, is cause it also says later on that it's possible that he didn't get her full name. So maybe Ludus is only part of her name. Maybe this is her testing him. Like, what does this mortal want from me? If I, I'm not going to give him my full name, but I do kind of want to see what he's up to. Uh, why does he want my name? So I'll give him part of my name. I don't know about that. She seems a simple sort, and this is a pretty straightforward story. But I and I, and I think that it fits with like Jack's being perpetually unlucky. Perhaps Jordana, you mentioned knacks earlier. Perhaps he has a knack for unluckiness. He is like the opposite of a knack. Mm. 
Yeah, that feels like the opposite of a neck. But it's interesting to me that this story gives us a name. That's that's it. It almost echoes the Chandrian rhyme that we eventually get that has the Chandrian names in it because it's really, really like I, I feel like this story would have gone and she whispered her name to him. And when he knew it, he captured her. But instead, the story itself contains it. So I wonder how true this name is, how close to the real thing. I think that one of the recurring ideas that Rothfuss is playing with is that stories and songs contain secret truths, especially when they're passed down orally. So I wonder what the significance of the actual name being spoken as part of the story is. Mm. Yeah, because it's not like Quoth goes out and says Ludus to the moon and something happens. So that might also support my notion that Ludus, if it is part of the moon's name, it's not her full name. Or it's a, a version of it, but not the, not the true name, as it were. I think uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention that this is very similar to the real world myth of Hades and Persephone. Uh, Persephone? Yeah, Persephone. That's what I said. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll kill you. I swear to God, I'll do it. Uh, in in the story that I heard, Persephone, or Persephone as she liked to be called, uh, eats um, how many seeds, how many pomegranate she, yeah, seeds? Yeah, seeds from a pomegranate, right? While she's living in the underworld, and in so doing, she is committed to staying in the underworld for that many months of the year. And that's the uh, origin of the seasons, that when she's away, her mother Demeter, the goddess of the harvest, uh, becomes a recluse. She weeps, and, and the... Uh, snows and the rains come and then when Persephone is free to be back with her mother uh, her mother is happy and uh, crops grow and the sun shines and this is very similar I think that part of the year part of the time she is condemned to stay with uh, Jax the sinister figure and part of the time she is free to do whatever it is you that you do when you're uh, when you're a moon I just mm-hmm. came to a funny realization which is that uh Demeter is the first helicopter mom. <laughs> that's that's yeah yeah. She she always wants to know where her kid is. She wants to be able to text her at all hours. She's like phoning Hades up. Like, can Persephone come to the phone? Like, no, she's busy right now. If only she would pick up um, the Persephone. <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> uh, I'm going to condemn you to the underworld for six months out of the year. Um, I also feel like because there are two sets of three uh, on this page, like this is this, it has a real resonant story, like, you know, fable quality to it because Jax gives her three things. Then she gives him three things. And each of the three things has kind of a ritual call and response to it. Kind of like the three little pigs, right? The, the way in the way that the wolf goes to the three little pigs whose house is made of X and he huffs and puffs and he blows their house down. And that repeats three times. Every time she gives Jax asks for a boon and she grants it. There's that kind of call and response, which I find uh, resonant and compelling. And yet they do not finish the final call and response because it's not what she expects it to be. That's right. Although he sort of says what he says afterwards. Now I have your name. So I have master over you. That's kind of, I think the the fulfillment of the three. Mm-hmm. Reasonable. 
I think it's also worth noting that we don't know how Ludus reacts to her name being trapped, right? As soon as he traps her name, she disappears from the narration. She's not, you know, she doesn't get to do or say anything else. So we don't really know how she feels about it or what she does in the immediate aftermath. Yeah, that is interesting. There's no judgment made. Uh, very carefully, mm. this this uh, maybe this story doesn't pass judgment on Jax, even though we have, I think, decided that he's a little sinister. That's our judgment. The story is very mm-hmm. careful not to say whether if what he's done is good or bad. Indeed. It's definitely, like, the action as it is feels wrong. Definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah to... like, even if the story doesn't pass judgment on it, to, like, trap anything or trick anyone is generally bad. Mm. Although, to use a counterexample from Greek myth, uh, it was a very good thing that all the world's ills were trapped in a box until some dumbass named Pandora decided to peek inside and have a look-see. Yeah, but that's just, I mean, I mean to, to be fair, I, I think if we're drawing parallels to real uh, Greek myths, that the, the box that shouldn't be opened that contains something mysterious is a very close parallel to Pandora's box. But I think that trapping the moon in a box, something that everyone enjoys and is a part of everyone, you know, sort of the, the mystic magic of the night sky uh, so that it can be like, it's not even like to love, right? He just sort of like, I want to have it and possess it and that will make me yeah, happy. Yeah, like he's collecting a Pokemon. Yeah, which uh, based... <laughs> Yes, it's based in Chad to collect the moon. Uh, <laughs> and if you ever release her from her box, she will lose all her value. The hollow foil will disappear from her surface. She'll become a common Well, moon. I wonder if you release the moon from the box and the moon went back to being an all-the-time thing. How much would that mess with the tides? I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's an interesting thing, I think. Because the story doesn't pass judgment, Jack's just like by the dint of his actions seems like a real bastard, but we don't, we can't assume that we know the full story, right? That's part of the, the ongoing theme of this book is that, you know, one version of the story, you know, is not the whole story. So, and we don't know again, how Ludus reacts. So I think that if we were ever given a different version of this story, perhaps in Doors of Stone, we might have a different perspective on these events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I figured out what the box is. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a master ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. We have a letter today, and it's uh, a bit longer than I would normally read on a 15 minute, but it's been at the back of our backlog for a while, and I want to give it its due. This is from Manuel, who writes, On the Frame Narrator, page 562. Greetings, thralls of the page. I wanted to share my thoughts about the conversation concerning whether it needed to be said that the lady farmer was pretty or not. I think the answer depends in part on who you believe the frame, frame narrator to be. I am pretty confident that Chronicler is the author and storyteller for this portion, but I have heard other interpretations as well. Some have said that since people's thoughts and internal reactions are described in the frame, the narrator is omniscient and not present. Others have mentioned Bast or Quoth himself. To the best of my memory, though, only Chronicler's actual thoughts are written in. Everyone else's internals are inferred based on the narrator's perception and reads on their external indicators. From Quoth's description of Denna within the frame narrative, 
Uh, Coates turned. What can any of them know about her? He asked softly. Chronicler's breath stopped when he saw Coates' face. The placid et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The above lines make it absolutely clear to me that the frame is Chronicler's work. Now, Jordana said that if the frame narrative was a story being told, as by quote within the central story, the description of the lady farmer as pretty and young would be acceptable but redundant. That is my paraphrasing of what was said, and I apologize if I did it poorly, but that's close to my opinion as well. Acceptable because Chronicler is describing the characters in his story, but redundant because he's already said that they were young, once together, twice for Mary and once for Hap. In all honesty, I think it's just pointless repetition that was somehow missed by Pat's army of proofreaders. Although the word young occurs so much blasted, so blasted much on this page that it could also be intentional. Having pretty there once was useful as set up for the cuck joke that comes later, so I'm fine with that choice, but I truly doubt that Bast is terribly picky. Thanks for doing what you do, signed Manuel. P.S., about the wedding suggestions, if I were to have a KKC-themed wedding, the rings would be inscribed with folly. Just a little joke. Please ignore me. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> I like that little joke. I agree with so, you pretty much entirely, Manuel. Uh, the only point of order I would offer is that I don't believe that Chronicler has like written the frame narrative. I do think that he's kind of the point of view character for all the reasons you outlined above, that it seems to... Uh, the omniscient narrator and depersonalized narrator seems to know his inner thoughts. So he's like the point of view character, but I don't think that diegetically it's him writing or telling the story of the frame. I agree. I don't think it's Chronicler. Although if it turns out to be, I will happily eat my words. Yeah. I, I do think that it is just an omniscient non-person narrator uh, because it has access to different people's points of view, different people's thoughts. Well, glad that uh, we could. That's right. That. And we'll uh, Persephone, Persephone, phone, phone, Persephone you on tomorrow's page. Uh, the. Wait. Wait. Wait.